Our president will start a war with Iran sometime prior to the election because he thinks that's the only way he can get elected. Isn't it pathetic? Yes. Isn't it? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on... KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, down in New Orleans on WHIV. Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. In Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX. In Janesville, Wisconsin on WADR and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day, even in 2020, on the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel. Uh, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk Blanketing the globe five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. It looks like, I gotta say, the Germans had this one right. A poll released at the end of the year in December, prior to Donald Trump's targeted assassination of Iranian General Qasem Soleimani last week, Uh, The poll asked respondents which world leader they saw as the greatest threat to world peace. The poll was commissioned by uh, the German news agency DPA, and it found that 7 percent of Germans felt most threatened by Chinese leader Xi Jinping. 8 percent felt Russia's Vladimir Putin was the greatest threat to world peace. 8% also saw Iran's Ayatollah Ali Khamenei as the greatest threat. But a full 17% believed North Korean strongman Kim Jong-un was the greatest threat. But that was nothing compared to the 41%. 41% of Germans in December of 2019, again before the killing of Iran Soleimani, who felt that American President Donald J. Trump presented the greatest threat to world peace. 41% the American president. Based on the events of the last several days, yep, looks like the Germans were absolutely right on that one. Um, At bradblog.com on Sunday... Perry Dorrell, who writes under the pseudonym P. Diddy for us, uh, he runs his collection of the week's best political cartoons. One of uh, one of my favorite uh, parts of the week, frankly, uh, is his Sunday tunes. Uh, His collection this past Sunday led off with a cartoon of a man and a woman sitting at their kitchen table. And the woman says to the man, 
I'm worried about what's going to happen in 2020. The man replies, I'm worried about what's going to happen in 20 minutes. As he reads his newspaper with a giant headline reading, you're not going to believe this one. Well, you're not going to believe this one. Uh, Day after day after day. uh, That seems about right. What may happen in the next 20 minutes, I cannot vouch for. Uh, But that cartoon was an apt way, I think, to begin 2020, not to mention uh, today's show, given the pace at which things are now happening. We will try to get to most the most important stuff today. As I get myself caught up on the past two weeks since Desi Doyen and I have been off with my uh, thanks to the great Nicole Sandler for filling in for us over the holidays. She did a, by the way, if you missed it, a terrific 2019 year in review show that was interesting and smart and funny particularly given this uh, past year, how horrible it actually was. So if you didn't happen to catch that, you can uh, you can find it, find that and all of the broadcasts going back to the beginning of time itself at bradblog.com. Uh, that, of course, thanks to those of you who support our work at bradblog.com slash donate. Uh, and by the way, Nicole's Friday show Following Donald Trump's assassination of Soleimani, uh, where she called up hotels in Tehran to get thoughts on all of this from actual Iranians, because at hotels they tend to speak English. That was fascinating as well. If you missed it, that was Friday's show. You can download it. I recommend it at bradblog.com. But we are back for our first show of the new year today. And as feared... Desi Doyen, there is hardly anything to talk about. (laughs) Oh, you mean there's not enough to talk about after President Chaos struck again? Again? Yes. Uh, Yes, Desi Doyen is here as well for our first show of the year, if not the decade, because this is the last year of the last decade. Let me get that straight. Not the first year of the new decade, which is just simple math and science. Am I right, Desiree? (laughs) Now, I would disagree with you on this, of course. Now, yes, we do know that on, like, we we consider millennia Uh and centuries, you know, starting with the zero, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that because of the way we count things, it does make it for millennia and centuries, right. that the century starts in 2001 for this latest millennium. So what you're saying is but, I'm right. No, okay. I'm not. You can I'm just saying... cut to the chase. i got a lot to cover. You might as well just <laughs> say, I'm right, you're wrong about this whole decade. Thing. I think you're wrong about this whole decade thing because I think it's different when we're counting decades. Uh-huh. We use decade as a frame for cultural reference. Really? Uh-huh. Yes, because people use the term decade to yeah. discuss chunks of history. Like, we don't call them the 81s, we call them the 80s and the 90s. So because that's Uh the words that we use, the definition of a decade is Uh is really just a 10-year span. It doesn't matter exactly How old were you when you finished your first decade on Earth? I was 10. Really? At the end of the 10th year? Well, now look, so when you start, when you're ninth, so when you have your ninth birthday, for example, you don't say that you are 10 then. You don't say when you're 10 and you turned 11 that that's the beginning of your 10th decade. It's actually beginning. Oh boy! Now you, you know. Got me yeah, on. I know. You know. You remind me of uh, yes, sort of clarity. Donald Trump trying to use this uh, war with Iran to avoid his own impeachment. You're just coming up with a bunch of stuff to avoid the fact that you're wrong about the decade thing, but that's okay. 
That's okay. We've got 10 years to discuss it. We'll <laughs> and there will it, be plenty we'll, of we'll that. We'll pick it back up in 2030, which, by the way, is not a presidential election year, unlike this one. Uh, anyway, uh, good to be back. Good to see you again, Taz. Uh, good to uh, have all of you here. And we're, by the way, we're going to open the phone lines in a bit. 818-985-5735. Don't call in to tell Desi how wrong she is about that, because that'll just uh, disturb her. But if you have other things on your mind, particularly concerning Iran... And what Donald Trump is doing, I'd love to hear from you on it. We're going to get to a bunch of that in a moment. Um, But over the past uh, several weeks, the past month, in fact, we've been looking at a lot of stuff that I thought we would be covering upon our return, including the extraordinary heat and wildfires absolutely devastating Australia. That, I guess, Des, we're going to have to push off to tomorrow's Green News report, I'm guessing. And there's plenty Uh, on that to talk about, too. I was also looking forward to covering uh, that a bit on our return, along with impeachment, along with the 2000, I'm sorry, the 2020 uh, uh, primary election, where uh, ballots are already in the mail for New Hampshire, uh, where voting uh, will be at the very beginning of February, but the um, vote-by-mail ballots are already on their way out. Iowa is set to caucus in less than one month. Then it'll be New Hampshire's first in the nation primary a week later. And then Super Tuesday, just a few weeks later, where dozens of states, including California, here with all new 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems here in Los Angeles, we will be voting as well. Mail-in ballots for Super Tuesday will begin shipping out by the end of this week, if my dates are correct. And, by the way, if you live in California and you plan to vote with a vote-by-mail hand-marked paper ballot, which I now recommend if you live in L.A. in order to avoid being forced to vote on our new unverifiable touchscreen voting systems... um, Although I recommend you drop off your handmarked ballot at a voting center rather than mail it in. But if you plan to vote that way and happen to be a no party preference voter or we call them NPPs, sometimes called independent, you're not registered with any party. Well, if you want to vote in the presidential primary for one of the candidates from any of the parties, well, you need to tell your own county where you live in California, which party's presidential primary that you would like to vote in. Otherwise, if you are an NPP, no party preference voter, and you would like to, for example, vote in the Democratic or Libertarian or American Independent presidential primaries, you have to request a crossover ballot for presidential candidates from one of those parties. Otherwise, you will receive a ballot by mail with no presidential candidates on it at all. So if you are an NPP voter in California, and sorry, we do a national show here, and I know a lot of people uh, may not be all that interested in what happens in California, but we have ridiculous primary uh, election rules out here. And so if you are a nonpartisan voter in California, but you want to vote in one in either the Democratic, Libertarian or American independent pri- uh, primaries, you have to request specifically such a ballot. Now, if you're a nonpartisan voter in California, but you want to vote in the Republican or Green or Peace and Freedom Party primary, You actually have to register with one of those parties. The others, the Democrats, for example, they have open primaries, so anyone can vote in them, but you have to have a ballot to do it. And if you're a uh, vote-by-mail voter, a permanent uh, VBM voter, you need to tell your county that, yes, you'd like to vote in the Democratic primary. Uh, In Los Angeles here, you can and should check your party registration and vote-by-mail preferences as they are set up at lavote.net. 
elsewhere in California, check uh, your local county uh, voter uh, registrar. Uh, but across the entire state, you can check your voter registration status at voterstatus.sos.ca.gov. That's voterstatus.sos.ca.gov. And I'm going to have to give this warning a few times in the next few weeks, uh, next couple of months here as we get closer to the uh, Super Tuesday March 3rd primary out here in California and in, like I say, about another dozen other states. Do not wait on this, by the way. This will become more and more confusing the closer that we get to Super Tuesday on March 3rd. So do it now. Uh, The same is true, by the way, everywhere else in the country. Now is the best time to check your voter registration to make sure that you have not been purged, that your party has not somehow been changed. Uh, or set for a party that would disallow you to vote in the primary that you would like to vote in. But some of those items uh, today are going to have to take a back seat thanks to our unhinged warmonger president, Donald Trump, and his attack on Iran uh, on Thursday night, Friday morning, about which, as I said, I'd like to open up the phones to listeners shortly. If you have thoughts or concerns or questions or statements about the war with Iran that Donald Trump has just thrown us into, our phone number is 818-985-5735. Uh, Since we are here live today and we're finally able to open up the phone lines for the first time in weeks after the holidays, after the impeachment hearings in the House uh, and some time off for our our holiday fun drive here at my flagship station, KPFK, with my thanks, great thanks to all of those of you who helped us uh, through that drive to support independent, non-corporate news found only here on Pacifica Radio and at KPFK in Los Angeles. So if you want to uh, use what you bought with your donation, give us a call at 818-985-KPFK for access to your public airwaves. You can call in right now, but uh, it will queue you up. i got a, a bit I want to cover first. Uh, some of those other items, as I noted, will have to take a back seat. Um But uh, there is a lot of breaking news in the upcoming impeachment trial of Donald Trump in the U.S. Senate today, just a couple of hours before showtime, before we even get to Iran. So let me start there. Former National Security Advisor John Bolton now says he is willing to testify in the Senate impeachment trial if he is subpoenaed. In a statement posted on Monday, Bolton wrote, uh, quote, I have concluded that if the Senate issues a subpoena for my testimony, I am prepared to testify. As NBC, who first obtained the statement, reports Bolton had a front row seat to the White House's pressure campaign against Ukraine to investigate the son of Trump's political rival, Joe Biden. Uh, including the decision to withhold military aid from Ukraine, which John Bolton reportedly uh, referred to as uh, the drug deal being cooked up by the administration. He served as Trump's national security advisor for more than a year until he left in September, just before the the, uh, Ukraine uh, bribery effort became public, the one that led to Donald Trump's impeachment on two articles just before the end of the year. Bolton has uh, previously said that he would not testify before the uh, House Intelligence Committee during the impeachment investigation there unless he was both subpoenaed and a judge ordered him to defy the White House by appearing before Congress today. He says he will do so if subpoenaed. 
Whether Mitch McConnell will agree to a subpoena, we know the Democrats will. The Democrats have already called for uh, John Bolton to testify, as well as other top administration officials who had firsthand accounts of all of this. Whether McConnell will allow that, that is a different question. Uh, in the uh, U.S. Senate trial, where they are trying everything they can to block the impeachment trial of Donald Trump. The uh, House, meanwhile, has still not transmitted the two articles of impeachment uh, that were passed in December over to the Senate until, at least they say, until the uh, Senate decides on their rules and if witnesses will be allowed, witnesses like John Bolton, who have firsthand evidence of what happened, whether guys like him will in fact be allowed Uh, to uh, give witness testimony during the Senate trial. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer said in a statement today, momentum for uncovering the truth in a Senate trial continues. He says it's now up to four, just four Senate Republicans to support bringing in Mr. Bolton and the other three witnesses that they've called, as well as the key documents that we have requested to ensure all the evidence is presented at the onset of a Senate trial. Given that Mr. Bolton's lawyers have stated he has new relevant relevant information to share, Schumer added, if any Senate Republican opposes issuing subpoenas to the four witnesses and documents we have requested, they would make absolutely clear they are participating in a cover-up. Well, of course they are, Senator. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi echoed uh, Schumer's statements as well, saying that the president and Senator McConnell have run out of excuses. They must allow key witnesses to testify and produce the documents that Trump has blocked so Americans can see the facts for themselves. The Senate cannot be complicit in the president's cover up, she tweeted, along with the hashtag Defend Our Democracy. Of course, it seems pretty clear that Trump's attack on Iran was um, as predictable in uh, hopes of changing the conversation about his impeachment, anything to avoid talking about impeachment. That was predictable, as were the fact that he would have his own now incriminating tweets from 2011 and 2012 and 2013. Back when he said in 2011, uh, this was Trump on Twitter, in order to get elected, Barack Obama will start a war with Iran. In 2012, he said Barack Obama will attack Iran in order to get reelected. In 2013, he said, I predict that President Obama will at some point attack Iran in order to save face. Donald Trump tweeted again in 2013, saying, remember that I predicted a long time ago that President Obama will attack Iran because of his inability to negotiate properly. Not skilled, Donald Trump added in 2013. Actually, uh, here's what Trump predicted specifically. uh, And of course, as usual, he was completely wrong about it back in uh, 2011. I think it was November of 2011. Our president will start a war with Iran because he has absolutely no ability to negotiate. He's weak and he's ineffective. So the only way he figures that he's going to get reelected and as sure as you're sitting there is to start a war with Iran. Now, I'm more militant and more militaristic than the president. I believe in strength. But to start a war in order to get elected, and I believe that's going to happen, would be an outrage. 
Are you outraged yet, Mr. President? That was from uh, that was, by the way, posted by the Trump Organization, who has uh, for some reason now deleted that video that they had posted some years ago. Thankfully, someone else saved it, so we're able to hear it. Uh, Nonetheless, speaking of not skilled at negotiating, thanks to the world's worst negotiator of them all, that would be the now impeached president of the United States, Donald Trump, we have a mess on our hands. The headlines on the front page of Sunday's New York Times offered a sense of what a dangerous and potentially catastrophic mess that we are now in, thanks to his disastrously unfit presidency. Just looking at that front page that someone posted on Sunday, Iran pulls back from nuclear deal as killing of Iranian general upends Mideast. U.S.-led coalition halts ISIS fight as it steals for an Iranian attack. Pompeo warns Iran that U.S. could attack if Tehran retaliates. U.S. allies in the Middle East fear they may pay a price for Soleimani killing. I just one story after another, and that's even without that's even staying out of the opinion section of the front page there. Meanwhile, huge crowds of mourners poured into the streets of two Iranian cities on Sunday to pay their respect to Major General Qasem Soleimani, the second most powerful figure in the country and leader of the elite Quds Force. He was killed. He was assassinated on Friday in an American drone strike near the Baghdad airport. A mass of people snaked across the main streets of Avaz, where Soleimani's body was returned from Iraq early on Sunday, and across a bridge over the Karun River, stretching over 30 kilometers. That is almost 20 miles of people parading, of mourners parading, For Soleimani, the crowds of men and women in black carried flags and photos of Soleimani. They beat their chests in unison as Islamic prayers blasted from speakers around the city. Iran State Television estimated that the mourners in Avaz and Mashhad, where the general's body was flown later for another procession, numbered in the millions. Tensions since that killing uh, across the Mideast have steadily ratcheted up. Um... With uh, Since the killing of Soleimani, he was credited with building Iran's vast network of proxy militant groups across the region, from Yemen to Syria to Lebanon. On Sunday, Iran announced it was ending commitments it made to limit its nuclear fuel production in its 2015 deal with world powers. Good work, Mr. Trump. And senior Iranian military officials warned of a military retaliation for the killing. The outpouring of grief reflects Soleimani's cult-like status in the country. The majority of Iranians, even critics of the government, viewed him, according to The New York Times, as the man who had protected Iran's security against foreign threats like ISIS and against conflict with Israel and the United States. He was the most powerful figure in Iran after the supreme leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei. The choice of Avaz, the Times uh, notes, as the first stop of the funeral procession in Iran was significant because the city has a large ethnic Arab population, which has not always supported the Iranian government. Many citizens there had joined the recent protests against the regime, and there were protests all across the country against the regime. But now... They've all been united, apparently, in their support for General Soleimani, a figure who they viewed as larger than life. Now, I should note here that my barber, who is Iranian, 
uh, and still has a lot of family back there. She told me over the weekend that she has been hearing from her friends and relatives that not everyone is joining in support of the regime and of Soleimani. There are many younger Iranians who still oppose the regime. But she told me. Uh, They are now being locked up in a facility near the airport in Baghdad. Uh, Whether that is true or not, I cannot confirm, but that's what she is hearing from her uh, friends and relatives back home in Iran. And there are clearly enough people, meantime, who do support Soleimani because millions of them are willing to walk for miles for his funeral procession on Sunday. The general's uh, coffin traveled to Tehran on Monday for a state funeral. Uh, with a public holiday being declared and some a crowd of some 15 million estimated to have been uh, taking part in his funeral in the capital city on Monday. Those processions followed Trump's new threats on Saturday against Iran, warning the country that if it retaliates for killing one of their top leaders, that the U.S. will attack 52 targets in Iran. Now, imagine, imagine if Iran had used some sort of targeted strike to kill a top leader, the, to kill the secretary of state, Mike Pompeo, in the U.S. Do you think we would retaliate? And if we did retaliate, do you expect that Iran would say, well, if you dare to retaliate, we will strike 52 targets in your country? This is how off the rails all of this is. Trump tweeted over the weekend, let this serve as a warning that if Iran strikes any Americans or American assets, we have targeted 52 Iranian sites representing the 52 American hostages taken by Iran many years ago. Some at a very high level and important to Iran and the Iran culture and those targets and Iran itself. All caps will be hit very fast and very hard, Trump tweeted. Now, according to the United Nations Security Council, uh, he appears to be uh, promising a war crime, the targeting of cultural heritage sites. Protocol 1 of the Geneva Convention prohibits the targeting of historic monuments, works of art or places of worship, which constitute the cultural or spiritual heritage of peoples, unquote, while also prohibiting making such sites the, quote, object of reprisals. Basically, everything Donald Trump is promising to do is a war crime. Iran Foreign Minister Mohammad Javed Sarif responded also via Twitter to accuse Trump of threatening a war crime and breaching the norms of international law. He said that is a bigly no-no. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, threatening a war crime is itself a war crime. Speaking to reporters aboard Air Force One on Sunday, however, as he returned from his vacation at Mar-a-Lago, where he was busy, you know, starting World War III, Trump doubled down on his threat of war crimes in attacks against Iranian culture and heritage sites. He said they allowed uh, they're allowed to torture and maim our people. They're not allowed to do that. They're allowed to torture and maim our people. They're allowed to use roadside bombs and blow up our people. They're also not allowed to do that. But we're not allowed to touch their cultural sites. It doesn't work that way. Well, actually, it does work that way, Mr. President, if you give a damn about things like the Geneva Convention, which I realize, as George W. Bush told us, is very quaint. We don't much care about that anymore, apparently. 
That's what we hear from Republicans. And by the way, that's what we hear from Democrats who did nothing about it when George W. Bush violated uh, the Geneva Conventions for George W. Bush's own war crimes. Uh, in any event, uh, Trump was referencing sort of the administration's claim that Soleimani was killed to stop an imminent attack that could have killed hundreds of Americans, he claims. The U.S. has offered zero evidence to actually support that a- assertion, which makes the targeted attack of Soleimani itself likely to be a war crime. Not, as I say, that the U.S. has much concern about committing war crimes. Uh, Trump said we took action last night to stop a war. We did not take action to start a war. Actually, yes, you did, Mr. President, though you may have helped uh, to stop another war. That would be the war against the Islamic State or ISIS, because the U.S.-led international coalition against ISIS has said on Sunday that it has now paused training and support of Iraqi security forces. Due to repeated rocket attacks on bases housing its troops, the U.S. had been working indirectly with Soleimani and the Iranians against their shared enemy of the Islamic State or ISIS. But that effort, thanks to Trump's attacks, has also now been paused. Iran State TV announced that the country was ending its commitment to limit enrichment of uranium as part of the 2015 deal with world powers. That had helped ease crippling economic sanctions in exchange for Iran restricting its nuclear development, a deal which Trump violated, another deal which Trump violated by pulling out of that deal and re-implementing sanctions against Iran. That was a violation of the agreement that the U.S. had made. Trump unilaterally withdrew from that agreement last May and left it uh, in tatters as other foreign leaders attempted to keep the deal alive. The decision to renege on the agreement has led to months of escalated tensions between the U.S. and Iran. And now here we are. And as if all of this uh, isn't going well enough already. Remember, Soleimani was killed in Iraq who we are supposedly allies with. The targeted U.S. drone strike also killed a number of Iraqis as Soleimani was reportedly in Iraq as part of a peace effort to ease tensions in the nearby war between Saudi Arabia and Iranian-supported Yemen. Well, the attack did not sit well with our Iraqi allies either. Over the weekend, the Iraqi parliament approved a non-binding resolution to remove all U.S. troops from the country. And in response, Trump, who used to pretend that he wanted to get out of Iraq before he dispatched 3,000 more troops to the country uh, over the weekend after his attack on Soleimani last week, he told reporters that the U.S. would ignore Iraq's calls to remove U.S. troops due to the, quote, extraordinarily expensive airbase that's there. He said, we're not leaving unless they pay us back for it. If they do ask us to leave, we will charge them sanctions like they've never seen before, ever. He said, quote, it'll make Iranian sanctions look somewhat tame, unquote. So now he's also threatening Iraq, our ally, in addition to Iran, with whom uh, Iraq had been enemies until George W. Bush's Iraq war over non-existent weapons of mass destruction destroyed Iraq and helped to put Iran's uh, influence on steroids in the region. Aren't we good at this? Iraq's parliament voted for this resolution to remove all foreign troops, including U.S. troops, on Sunday. 
And remember, Trump has said that the attack was undertaken to prevent war and further bloodshed for Americans. In fact, as anyone with half a brain, and not sure that includes Trump, can see here, this was all done to change the subject from Trump's impeachment. At least in my half-brained opinion. How about yours? My phone number is 818-985-5735 if you'd like to ring in on this. I know we got a lot of Trump supporters listening. They used to call in to tell me what a warmonger Hillary Clinton was, but that Trump wanted to get us out of foreign wars. How's that working for you, folks? I'd love to hear from you. 818-985-KPFK is my phone number. Has any of this changed any of your minds on this? Any of you folks who supported Donald Trump because you thought Hillary Clinton was a warmonger? I would love to hear from you uh, if so, or even if not. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. Quick break, and we are back with much more, including your calls right here on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Not true. War is excellent for distracting the people who are impeaching you for violating the Constitution. So, yeah, war is good for something, ain't it? Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. On Saturday night, a spokesman for the U.S. government publishing office said that the website of its federal depository library program was hacked on Saturday night. That's the day after Donald Trump's assassination of Iranian General Qasem Soleimani. Although U.S. officials have not said who is responsible for the hack, a group purporting to be Iranian hackers claimed responsibility. The website was taken down in response over the weekend. The White House and FBI have declined to comment so far on the hacking, which could be just one way that Iran could retaliate against the U.S. for what Donald Trump did. And they, in my opinion, would have every right to. And while the U.S. is headed into an election year, which is more dependent now on computer systems than ever for voter registration, for voting, for tabulation of results. While many Republicans have brushed off concerns about Russian hacking of uh, U.S. elections, perhaps they would be wise to have some concern right now that Iran may now have an interest in interfering to hurt Trump and Republicans in 2020. Just saying. Iran has a very powerful cybersecurity initiative, and they could easily, easily disrupt, disrupt U.S. elections this year if they wanted to, especially since so many jurisdictions are now foolishly relying on computerized systems, despite the warnings we've been trying to give on this, on this very program for a very long time about the dangers that that poses, including uh, to ransomware attacks, which, by the way, I am terrified about. Uh, seeing that happen this year on election days around the country um, th and the ability to shut down elections entirely with such an attack. We've seen this uh, in dozens of U.S. municipalities now in uh, recent weeks and months 
wait for it to happen on Election Day. And remember, we told you about it right here on the broadcast long ago. We'll take your calls on any and all of this at 818-985-5735, particularly, as I said, from Trump supporters who I always enjoy speaking with. 818-985-KPFK. Let's hit some phones here. Let's go to Roger in Minneapolis. Hey, Roger, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Good to uh, happy new year to you. Oh, happy new year to you and Desi. Um, and um, glad to have you back live. Um, <clears throat> this situation, I have never been the least bit fooled by the um, uh, the stupid um, wisdom, accepted wisdom that has been propagated a lot in um, many media channels um, to suggest that Trump is, in fact, a person who does not favor foreign intervention. Um, I, uh, I believe that the reason that Bolton was fired was because he was just itching to play the war card, um, and, and, and uh, Trump got tired of arguing with him, Trump's motivation being to save it for a playing of that card of his choice, for mm-hmm. his purposes. And uh, so uh, that's, that's, I really think, why Bolton was fired. Mm. I would be very interested to know what kind of trades uh, were done um, con- concomitant with this action by people connected with Trump um, to corner um, military and oil futures, mm. um, uh, short-term and potentially long-term um, profit winnings. Um, well, we will see. I, I, we will see. I, I, it, yeah, go ahead. I, I want to throw in one more thing that I feel is important. Okay. Michael Moore um, uh, posted a, a, a very good photograph of this Iranian leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, uh, I was immediately taken by um, the impression of um, a man who, although he's a military figure, um, if you've been watching Iran, it's been a very restrained and kind of shrewd presence in terms of how it handles mm-hmm. its adventurism. And um, I see in the face and aspect of this man that we murdered, uh, a, a good a good piece of kindness, mm. and I feel sad for him. I feel sad for his family. I feel sad for his country, and I feel sad for ours. Thank you, Roger. I appreciate the call. I appreciate the thoughts. Uh, we, we, I hope to talk later this week. Um, a little bit more about uh, Suleimani and uh, the claims that have been made about him. I can't I can't speak to whether he's uh, kind or not. A lot of folks on both the right and the left say that the, he, he has blood on his hands. That said, uh, a lot of the claims they're making about having killed 600 Americans comes from Dick Cheney years ago. And uh, it doesn't appear to be any more true now than it was years ago when Dick Cheney was making that claim in order to get into a war. Uh, with Iran. So I, I hope to talk about that. We got a lot to catch up on in the days ahead. Um, but I appreciate that call a lot, Roger. Uh, let me go to Tony in Alhambra. Hey, Tony, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Tony, I'm a little worried about you. Well, um, no, you're you Tony. Just, yeah, what's up? Just, you just made reference that a claim was made as to the amount of people 
that uh, Suleimani had killed, implying that, eh, you got to confirm it. Do you know how many claims you made in the last 20 minutes? I mean, this is the point I want to make. I want to make a simple point here. Okay. I am not a left-leaning uh, thinking person. I'm more conservative, okay? Mm-hmm. But I want to listen yeah. for the different viewpoint. Great. But when you're throwing out stuff and you don't qualify it with specifics, uh-huh. but you were able to qualify your barber's point about people being held up, and you said, well, that's what uh, claimed. I said that was. I said that was claimed, and I, I said that was claimed. Tony, I said that was what was claimed, and I had no way to prove it one way or another. I was reporting it. Now, what is it that you have a problem with that I have reported? What you have no way of proving that Trump killed this guy to cover him to cover his tracks on impeach or anything else? Mm-hmm. Then why didn't he kill him last month or last year? Or actually, why, why didn't he target him three years ago, since we know that these 600 people... Hang on, Tony, I'll give you a chance to respond. We know that these 600 people, these 600 Americans who he supposedly killed, uh, that was years ago before Donald Trump was even in office. As a matter of fact, before Barack Obama was even in office. So, uh, yeah, why didn't he do this a long time ago? Why did he wait until just days before his impeachment trial was set to start? Can I? Okay, now I'm going to respond. Okay. When the Iranians and the previous caller said they showed tremendous restraint, when the Iranians bombed the Saudi oil uh, production fields and refinery, and mm-hmm. they put mines on the Japanese tanker, that doesn't show. That doesn't indicate or an example of restraint. When did that happen? Trump. Just, you you just happened the last couple of months. Really? And why didn't oh we? Oh my God! You're telling me. You're telling me you're not aware of that? No, I, I am aware of it, Tony. I'm aware that it happened months ago. Why didn't re- we respond then instead of Friday? Because we're not warmongers. Really? That would be news to a lot really? of folks in Iraq and Iran. But, you, yeah. Hey, wait, hey, Brad, you said you were going to let me respond. Don't filibuster. Okay? Okay. My apologies, Tony. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, yeah. now, let me ask you this. Yeah. You just compared Suleimani. Mm-hmm who was an international hitman for Iran. And if you go on websites, on, on Iranian liberation people, mm-hmm. they'll tell you many things, how many strikes they've got, inflation and so forth. Mm-hmm. You, you compare him to the Secretary of State of the United States. Yeah, he's a top figure. He's the, he's the, of course I can. He's the second most, I could have compared him to the vice president. He's the second most powerful figure in the country, Tony. Are, do, are you not aware of that? Pompeo's... And, and Pompeo's flying around the free world, uh-huh. distributing billions, that, millions of dollars that he received from the Obama administration to fight wars. I'm sorry, I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Barack Obama, Obama freed free, a frozen asset uh-huh. of the Iranians. When he made the deal, also that no, 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 no. He un, no, he unfroze. Hang on, hang on. You mentioned Pompeo as Secretary of State, and that's why you confuse me concerning Obama. Obama unfroze uh, Iranian assets that were frozen in I the seventies. I said unfroze. Okay, he unfroze I assets. I said unfroze. He good. He unfroze assets that were held by the U.S. in the nineteen seventies in response to the Iranian Revolution and the uh, taking of uh, American hostages. So, what is your complaint? that we gave the money back, their money back? No, we, 
we 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 gave money to the Iranian regime to use it for terrorist activity. Okay, it's their money, Tony. Tony, it's their money. It was going to go back to them anyway because the World Court decided we cannot hold up their money. Yeah, you're right. You you know what? We need to give the cartels their guns back. Uh, You're right. Okay. if, if If the Mexican cartels are arrested committing a crime, we need to give them back their semi automatic machines. Well, uh, the money, the money was go, the the money was going back, whether the United States agreed with it or not. It was going back to Iran. So what we got in exchange was we blocked their any possible path to a nuclear weapon. Another point I want to share with you. All right, Donald Trump, yeah. did not have to follow the nuclear accord. You know why? President Obama, out of out of respect, he's the president. President Obama, I refer to him as that. Yeah, the Congress to rat- be ratified. So it's not an agreement that a country made. Oh, no, it is an agreement. It is an agreement. The president made. It is absolutely an agreement that our country made. It is not a treaty ratified by Congress, which would then have uh, uh, the weight so of, of law. Well, it, 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 no, it is a binding agreement between our countries. Uh, whether Trump decides to violate that treaty, which he did, is up to him. But that's what he did. And while that treaty was in place, by the way, uh, there was a a great deal of peace between our countries. Once he broke that, once he violated that treaty, things began to spiral to where we are now, Tony. I I just told you that the Iranians put landmines, sticky bombs Mm -hmm. on the Japanese uh, oil oil vessel, Mm -hmm. and they also bombed the Saudi airfield. And you're calling that peace? That's what you say. Well, I, I, they were. This was against Japan. You're going to say that's an attack on the U.S. Even if they did that, and it is unclear if they actually did that. Didn't you just call the Iraqis? The Iraqis are allies. Aren't the Japanese are allies? Yes, they are. Of course they are. Of course they are. Then why didn't we respect our allies? Tony, Tony, I appreciate your call. If we were so concerned that Soleimani was a great threat, that he had to be killed as opposed to stopped, he was in our, our allies' country. He was in Iraq. We could have arrested him. We could have shown the evidence for what a bad guy he was in a trial. Instead of holding that trial, we killed him, and the U.S. has not released one shred of evidence against this guy. What Donald Trump sent to Congress in violation of the War Powers Act, he classified. So we don't even get to see that, Tony. You're filibustering. Okay. All right. I got a lot of people who want to get in. So, yeah. Everything has to be proved. Everything has to be proved to you you and the general public. Yeah, of of course. What kind of agency are we going to have? Well, we would have a country where uh, we have transparency and openness and a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, not by, for warmongers and corporatists like Donald Trump and apparently like you, Tony. But I do appreciate the call. I'm sorry you're not in favor of making the U.S. safer uh, because an assassination of a foreign leader does anything but that. But You can't do that. Yeah, I can. You can't insult people like that. Insult who? And who? Of course course I can insult. Of course, if you don't like the Constitution of this country, you can leave. But we absolutely have free speech in this country, and I am happy to insult a warmonger like Donald Trump. Tony, I don't want to insult you, though, because I appreciate your call. Yes, I am. I got to go, brother. I appreciate your call. Thank you, man. Call us again. That's the example that people are listening to. Yeah. 
Thanks, Tony. Uh, give us a call again. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Thanks. Uh, 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK. Should we take a quick break? And No, let's do one more. Uh, George in Coarse Gold, California. Hey, George, welcome to the broadcast. Hi, Brad. Glad to hear you back. Thank you. Tony, you don't have to be such a... Be nice. Be nice. So uh, anyway, yeah. anyway, we heard uh, Scuttlebutt says uh, the uh, Congress was not consulted before this assassination. The uh, right. team of aid or whatever they are, the, the ones that have all the high high uh, mm-hmm. classification and everything. Uh, and then we find out that the, and our allies weren't consulted in any way. Correct. And then we find out the Joint Joint Chiefs of Staff didn't know about it. Right. So that tells me that Gina Haspel, the torturer from the CIA, was the one who sent this drone or whatever it was to mm. kill this guy. Mm. Uh, so Congress should have Gina Haspel on the in in you know yeah. in uh, hearings to find out what's going on. Are mm. we got assassination country now? Uh, oh yeah. Clearly, we are. That said, uh, I think that uh, I, I'm I'm not so sure you're right about. I, I I think the Joint Chiefs and the Pentagon were all shocked when he sent the order. It's unclear to me, however, uh, if they received the order, were shocked and did it anyway, or if in fact, as you suggest, it was someone else like the CIA who pulled this off. That we have to. That remains to be seen. But uh, good point and something to look for. And Thanks, yes, Brad. we absolutely are an assassination country. Right now, and sadly, we have been for Thanks. far too long. Uh, all right, quick break. We'll come back with more of your calls on the broadcast, 818-985-5735. And yes, uh, I'm always happy to hear from folks like Tony or from you. 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the broadcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate and thanks. Just like yesterday. Yep. Then I'll get on my knees and pray. We don't get fooled again. Oh, we'll get fooled again. We're always fooled. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Uh, Republicans and Democrats alike did not complain. The last time that Trump attacked another nation in violation of the law and the Constitution and the War Powers Act without notifying Congress first, etc., that would be when he launched rockets against the Syrian airbase. Remember that? Another nation with whom there is no congressional war declaration. The Republicans and Democrats, both in Congress, they said nothing about it. So they should hardly be surprised that Trump has done it again. So when I hear Democrats complaining uh, that Trump is doing this, he's violating that. Well, you know what? He did so long ago, as did George W. Bush, as did Barack Obama and Democrats. You didn't complain about it then. You didn't point out the war crimes being committed by those presidents then, did you? 
makes it a hell of a lot harder for those of us who are actually consistent in our positions over the years. 818-985-5735. Let's go to uh, William in Pasadena. Hey, William, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad, how are you? I'm hanging in. What's up, brother? I just want to make a quick comment. I think you gave Tony way too much time. <laughs> you know, my comment, there's so many people like this, they just keep, keep uh, believing uh, what the government tells them over all these years. It just mm-hmm. makes me so crazy. I just turned 70 years old. I've been through Vietnam. I've seen that. I've seen Libya. I've seen Afghanistan. I've seen Iraq. And it's the same story over and over. Uh, the media filters things so much for this country that we just... We're just like sheep, and we we just accept everything we're told. And even though it's right in front of our eyes that we're probably the most militaristic country on Earth, mm-hmm. who has recently attacked? Who has Russia attacked, except for Ukraine, but it wasn't like a shock and awe? Who has Iran attacked? Who has Iraq attacked? Who has any of our so-called enemies attacked? When you look at the absolute facts, we're the only one that's doing all the major major uh, militaristic uh, aggression. Well, I, you know what? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta disagree with you there. Uh, the Russians have been uh, supporting the uh, separatists in the east in Ukraine. They have been supporting that war. Uh, Desi yeah. says Crimea as well, but I'm not sure uh, that was quite as much of a war. But um, they, you know, they have. Uh, if you listen to the U.S. intelligence, they have attacked U.S. elections. Russia has. Uh, but the, here's the problem: the Trumpers. Uh, as Desi also notes here, good point, uh, that the Trumpers believe the intelligence community on Iran. They have no questions about that. But when it comes to Russian interference in 2016, oh, don't believe our uh, intelligence community. They don't know anything. So they got to pick a side, it seems to me, William. <laughs> At least be consistent, I'm asking. What I was trying to point out is that the the really, you know, deadly military aggression, I know there's a cyber war. I know the Russians attacked our election. And I know that they're that they've uh, you know they went after uh, Crimea, um, um, and they went out, and now they're wanting to get in Ukraine, but they're trying to get territories back that they once had. And when you look at it, half of those countries are wanting to go back to the Russian Federation, so it's not like they're invading a totally sovereign country. Well, okay, there's there's a. No, I, I, well, I hear you. But to say that they are not aggressive in some places, they absolutely are. But I, but I take your point. And, and to the larger point, William, uh, that you made about, you know, giving Tony too much time, we have to talk to each other. And I know it's impossible uh, with some to get through to them. It may be forever impossible. But once we stop talking, once we go into our own little silos, then, well, we get to where we are today, which is why I do like to reach out even to people with whom I disagree. I'm not going to agree with, you know, their stuff and nonsense, but I think we have to keep talking, even though sometimes it feels like we're banging our heads on the wall. William, uh, I want to get a few more calls here before we get to the top of the hour, but I I really appreciate your thoughts. All right. Thank you. Thank you, William. Uh, Let's go to uh, Shaheen in Long Beach. Hey, Shaheen, welcome to the broadcast. Happy New Year, sir. Happy New Year. How are you, sir? I'm okay. How can I help you? How can you help me? Very, very quick comment. A few weeks ago, we had a demonstration in Iran regarding the gas price. Mm-hmm. 270-some people died in two days, shooting from the roof of the buildings, all those stuff. 
suddenly by the death. Where, 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 where was the shooting, Shaheen? I'm sorry. Is this in Iran? It was in Iran, Tehran, yes. Okay. Regarding the gas price, remember the gas mm -hmm. price a few months, mm -hmm. few weeks ago? Yeah. And the people went to the street and then they start shooting. Mm -hmm. And according to our news, 270-some people died, 15,000 in the jail. So two weeks ago, by the uh, politics of our co government, now those people... Now in the street of Tehran, over a million people demonstrating and bringing this gentleman who killed lots of Iranian people. Mm -hmm. Now they uni united each other. Yeah. Now with stupid politics. Yeah. Now we united Iran, all of them together. You look at the news, you look at the TVs, you will see how many people, 22 miles of people in the street. Yeah, I know. I, I, I know. And, and that was a point I made. Shaheen, I'm coming up at the top of the hour. I don't mean to cut you off here, but I know uh, there was the the uh, the regime in Iran was not popular among Iranians. And if anything, Donald Trump has helped make them uh, more popular now, incredibly. I've got just a second. Let me see if I can get Don in here real quick uh, from Santa Monica. Don, can you give me about 30 seconds, brother? Oh, yeah. Well, I just want to mention about, uh, I think it was a, a, a cable that uh, Edward Snowden released several years back that uh, said that ISIS was supposedly a creation of the Western uh, intelligence powers to uh, pretend to be an enemy of Israel's, but actually to be an asset and that's what we've always been playing these games, like funding and arming them, and these kinds of reports coming out. And I never got this clear sense that we're actually fighting them, but Iran and Russia are. And so, of course, they don't trust us, probably, if that's the case. I just don't know. They're just hmm. the fog of war. It's just, you know, we never get the straight answer. I hear you, Don. Thanks. Uh, in, in any event, the fight against ISIS, at least for now, has stopped because of Donald Trump's assassination of, uh, well, the man who was leading that fight against ISIS for Iran. And um, because now the folks who were leading that fight for the U.S. in Iraq are under attack themselves, so they can't go after ISIS. As I said earlier in the show, this is all going really, really well. Uh, we will uh, continue to go well on tomorrow's thrilling broadcast. I hope you will join me for that. Until then, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my board operator today, D'Angelo Jones, to all of you who called in, and my apologies to those I could not get to. Uh, we'll try to do it again soon. Uh, you can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. We'll see you there until we see you tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>